says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me for what is the preview podcast edition of the Tip Sheet is my good mate, 60s. And uh, it's back-to-back days of recording, mate, and it is actually crazy how much can happen in the rugby league world between one day and another just for recording two podcasts. Mate, it's amazing. We had our news podcast that we've introduced uh, midweek, which we only just put out on uh, late Wednesday afternoon, and here we are. The ne- well, the next day, all this news starts breaking, and we're now in a situation where our preview podcast is certainly going to have a bit of a news and discussion element to it today. Yeah, so uh, let's let's jump right into that, mate, because we do have three games of football to eventually get to, but the news actually pertains to the uh, NRL and even the New South Wales Cup teams. Uh, we sort of finished recording, had our uh, big chat with Spiro, and then all of a sudden uh, you had all this news coming through about how the Parramatta Eels were dropping Nathan Brown this week and how uh, he... This is where it gets a little bit uh, muddied because the initial report from Michael Chamis was that he'd been given permission to look elsewhere, but then the verbiage later on from uh, Michelle Bishop at Channel 7 News, who's also pretty on, pretty on the ball when it comes to rugby league, was that Brown had asked to explore his options elsewhere after being dropped or being told that... He potentially his future would be uh, not necessarily as like a starter or, or even a, a priority bench player. So a uh, couple, it's an important difference in the verbiage, obviously, because by asking for a release usually gives the club a lot more leverage in terms of negotiating the exit uh, details, if not an outright you know release. But very significant de- development for the Parramatta Reels, and and we we're talking about you know the sort of the fallout from that Bulldogs game. And while it didn't happen officially in the team list, it certainly happened. Uh, not too long after. Yeah, well, first of all, I think you straight away go to, I think the Michael Chamis article provides quotes from BA and he says straight out that he's not interested in spinning any uh, any yarns, any fabrications about what's going on. He just said the simple thing is just to say exactly what's happened, which is that Nathan Brown had... Uh, or his management had approached uh, the club about what the prospects were from 20 at the end of his contract, which is at the end of 2023 he's contracted to. And they basically said, well, look, there's there's nothing that we can guarantee you from this point onwards from, uh, from the end of 2023. We've still got this season that we're looking at finishing. The upshot being then that he had asked permission to be able to, or his management had sought permission to be able to look into options and the Eels have granted that because, and and when you talk about that, when you've got a contract that expires at the end of 2023, you can't really go and have any sort of formal discussions elsewhere until November. Correct. So they're able to get in and, and I think the uh, upshot of it is as well that if he's able to secure a contract that starts next year, that the club's probably not going to stand in his way. That's as I understand it, reading everything that I've read and, and, and trying to get a bit of a background on what's going on. So 
it seems that it's fairly uh, close to the mark. And I think any what we've known over the years, mate, anyway, is that when BA talks about something, he's not a bullshit artist. No, he is a straight shooter, always has been. Uh, you know, and almost to a fault at times, right? Because that is just his character. He is straight, you know, straightforward and honest. So it's a it's a reminder of you know, and, and it was part of the article too. I think is like how you know brutal and business like the the game is these days. Obviously, Brown was a, a tremendous acquisition for the Eels, going right back to his early days, 2016, 2017, where through those years he was popping off ridiculous numbers for the Eels. He slowed down a bit in recent times of injuries, really catching up to him. Uh, his form has dipped, which has seen him be dropped to the bench. So this is a, a natural progression in terms of, you know, trying to keep the club moving forwards as a team. But you know, it's by no means you, you don't need to be disrespectful to him as a fan, right? You know, on his way out, if he does end up departing the club, he's been a fantastic servant of the Bourne Gold for a number of years now. Oh yeah, look, absolutely. And the thing is, at this stage. He still has a contract for next year. What is he now? Twenty nine years of age. I want to say he's twenty nine, maybe going on thirty. Let me have a quick yander while we're having a yarn. So he just turned twenty nine. So going on thirty next year in March. Okay, so so at this stage, he's he's contracted till the end of next year, which makes him thirty years of age. Now I can understand him wanting to have his future sorted as a 29-year-old now rather than as a uh, 30-year-old next year looking for what could be his, well, possibly his last contract because he's getting to that stage of his career, isn't he, with uh, with regard to that. So, and I, I was think, having a bit of a think about this with Nathan Brown. When Nathan Brown's playing his best football, He's really one of those players who is very effective with an inform RCG and junior because they can really provide a one, two, three punch up through the ruck, can't they? When you've got junior and Reg getting the defence on the back foot, there's nothing quite like seeing Nathan Brown then yeah, gouging back in behind the ruck, back in behind the ruck, just you know forcing that that advantage even further. And then, of course, he has that capacity to play, to ball play right at the line, right on the edge of the ruck as well. So he's he's got those sorts of skills. Uh, it just hasn't been happening. And look, it's probably fair to say it's only been like over the last 18 months, so we're talking about last season, this season, that we've seen his best maybe sporadically. Now, we ended up finding out after the end of last season that he was carrying an injury to both legs throughout the season last year. Mm-hmm. And then as a result of that, when we, we find out about that, we're actually marvelling about his tenacity in simply getting on the field last year when he had to have an operation on both legs. Um, this year, it it just hasn't quite been happening for him. And you think to yourself, okay... Is it a result of that operation, the operations that he hasn't yet found his best? Is it that he's late in his career and maybe he's not going to find his best? I mean, we don't know. What we can maybe suggest as a, 
I suppose there's a hope for a, a club that might be looking to contract him or even if he ends up staying at the Eels, is I look at Matto last year. Now, Matto last year had a very bad concussion issue. He had a um, he got a suspension himself late in the season. It was just an awful year for Matto. And we got towards the when he came back, when he was available for selection, I... Correct me if I'm wrong. I, was he even selected for the Newcastle's uh, finals match last year? Oh, I've got it in my head that he that he didn't that he missed out in on selection in that match, and that he then was selected on the bench for the Penrith game, the Penrith final. But what we saw in that Penrith final was, hang on, this is Maddo in the middle. Because he came on in the middle, and I yeah, you're right. He, I was, think, he wasn't picked uh, in the Newcastle game. Yeah, yeah, and um, and was that did Nathan Brown go off early in that overfeeling in that game against uh, Penrith? But anyway, Maddo got on quite early in the match and you know racked up great uh, run meters. Was was probably enjoying his best game of the season playing off the bench, and I hoped that Nathan Brown being moved to the bench might help to reignite that impact player that he can be and I, I yeah I don't know that we, we've seen it this year I thought probably when he came back at the start of the year and he was brought on off the bench against the Sharks he brought some energy in that game but we probably just have not seen it enough of the best of Nathan Brown on a consistent basis this year so I, I guess both BA and Nathan Brown himself are, are looking for answers right now. And I think you've got two things at play there. You've got, first of all, the Nathan Brown non-selection this week mm-hmm. where he's going to be playing in the in the New South Wales Cup. And then, of course, you've got the contract situation. Now, I think both of them have their own story to tell because uh, regardless, Nathan Brown would want to be forcing his way back into first grade because trying to get a deal for a player who's been relegated to reserve grade can be a, a bit of a tougher ask. Maybe there's um, clubs that are not too concerned about that because they know what Nathan Brown can offer at his best. But, um, gee, it's, it's, it's something where we're going to need to see him produce to be able to get back into first grade at this oh, stage. absolutely. You know, it's uh, – especially as a starter, I mean, that that's a very big uh, ask now to get in front of guys like Madison, Papali'i, uh, obviously uh, Murata, and, and Sean Lane who's enjoying a very good year as well. So that that's a very tough task for him. Just to get back to the bench too, we need to see him get back to his best. And the thing yeah, is, yeah. If, if he does, that, that's not just for him, but for the Eels is a huge boost because, like you mentioned, Brownie at his best is still a very, very good player. He's the guy that brings that energy that you know gets in behind the other forwards and, and really gets over the A-line, the advantage line, and, and gashes into the, t- uh, the other team's defense. Plus, you bring in his ball playing too, which is always a plus. And, you know, there, there absolutely is something there for the Eels if he can get back to it. But it's just going to be about him uh, and what he can do in that regard. You know, it's interesting watching some of the reactions on social media last night and also 
the messages that people were sending to me. I uh, I had an absolute swag of messages being sent to me through uh, direct messaging on Twitter, on Instagram, on just on on our socials and and text messages as well. It's fair to say I got swamped with opinions about uh, what had just transpired. And there seemed to be a bit of a common theme. Not everyone was on this boat, but there was a common theme, which is torn emotions. Because Nathan Brown was, with a lot of the messages, he's a favourite. He's an absolute fan favourite. And yet the same people who, uh, or a lot of the same people who were talking about how much they admire him were conceding that we hadn't seen the best of him and it was hard to argue with what was happening. So you could you could see like a lot of people were feeling like we were feeling that you want to see him get back to his best because he'd been someone renowned for just ripping in and um and, and a player that wants to stay at the club. But at the same time I think people are acknowledging the fact that a decision had to be made on a player who just wasn't quite hitting his straps this season and for mean, whatever reason I, I that told is. I you after the Bulldogs game that uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't just Nathan Brown, but I said that anyone that wasn't Ryan Madison on the bench, I felt, had their spots up for grabs if someone was hungry enough to take it. And yeah. you know, obviously that, that played out to some degree that way with Brownie ended up being dropped later in the week. And I suppose it, it comes back to that idea that five-day turnarounds really just don't give the teams much flexibility for the team sheet, don't they? Uh, especially yeah. if you play on a Monday and you got the team sheet out the next day. So you can't really expect change on a, on a team which Tuesday if you've played that Monday. Yeah, I think there's, there's still a review of the tape that would have been going on at the time that the team list was required to be submitted because I think they're required to be submitted around two, sometime between two and three on a Tuesday that the clubs have to get their team list into the NRL. Uh, to confirm who will be there. So you know that that in the, in the context of the Eels, that there'd be decisions that still hadn't quite been made. Uh, that's a big call to drop someone like Nathan Brown. You know that it wouldn't have been done lightly. You also know that it would not have been a knee-jerk reaction as well, that it must have been something that had been... <sighs> Maybe considered. I don't know if "considered" is the right word, but be, maybe been or monitoring his form mm-hmm. just to see how he was progressing and whether they felt that they needed to for him to go back to New South Wales Cup and work on something. That's the feedback that BA's given in his in his commentary. The um, and and of course the other thing too is is that in that particular uh, media piece. BA's also suggested that there's going to be a few other tweaks, perhaps, to the team uh, going out before the, you know, before Saturday. So uh, we we may yet find that the one to seventeen, not only is there a Nathan Brown change, but BA's hinted that there's going to be other changes as well. Whether that's juggling players inside the sixteen named players plus Brown's replacement. Or that means invoking another player from outside the uh, initially named seventeen. We have to remain to be seen, but I mean, you look, we've spoken about it before with, with that back row 
the way it is. You could easily tinker it without it being a, a net negative. Like you know, we know about guys like Murata and Ice are very versatile in how they can play, whether it's off the bench or on the edge or in the middle. So there's definitely some configurations you can do there or, or iterating you can do there. To well, I think we've all, I think we spoke about it this week anyway. That about um, you know we, we need we need to, someone like Murata to find his impact again and. And I've always believed that Murata has – he's looked good. Um, well, we've, we've lacked uh, up until Ryan Madison's uh, form surge the real uh, – I'm trying to use that word impact, but maybe it's that fear factor yeah, coming it's off. It's the, the vi- it's the violence that he brings. Like – uh, you know, classic and for like you know, old school enforcer, just fearless, no self regard, and and teams balk, opposing teams balk when a player rips into him like that. We saw it with yeah. Pan- with Pangai Junior against the Eels, uh, where you know he, he almost did it to the point where he was off the leash and out of control, and and it nearly backfired. But you know, he played to the whistle and and got away with a, a prowler that maybe could have been Simbin, but it obviously rattled the Eels. And uh, Murata certainly doesn't do. Uh, things that wildly, but he plays with an edge, uh, not on the edge. But he plays with a you know a, a, a really aggressive edge, uh, and that has been so good for the Eels and uh, across a number of seasons. Yeah, what we do know is that when Murata hits someone or or runs into someone, that they feel it. Yeah, Young Davis Hamish <laughs> found out about that against Canberra uh, a couple of weeks back. But yeah, so that's uh, that whole Brown developing situation really sort of <laughs> it's like oh my goodness, we we just we stopped recording too early, uh, but thankfully we do have the extra podcast now to cover it because there's a whole range of stuff that now come out of that because uh, in the follow up in the evening to that, Michael Chamis then added made an addendum to the story about how the Eels have opened up discussions with uh, Tricolors back rower and uh, current opponent this week, Angus Crichton. And that is a play that they've been linked to, and we spoke about it on the podcast as the contingency plan. Uh, but now it seems like they're making a more formal progression of that, uh, perhaps with uh, you know the expect not the expectation, but the consideration that Brown might not be on the books next year, depending on if he finds a suitor for himself, or with that rising cap space that we uh, was mentioned. Uh, I think it was last week um, that maybe there's a little bit more flexibility for the Eels to not only retain Ryan Madison, but go out there and potentially poach Angus Crichton to stock up their back row. So, yeah, and that's a, another interesting twist in that whole development. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And the other thing, too, that I don't want to ignore, and, and where this is probably the ideal podcast to talk about it because it is the preview podcast, but Kai Rodwell getting his elevation. Yeah, I was, I was, we're obviously going to talk about that in depth Uh in the preview, but yeah, it is a, a fantastic moment for a player that is really, you know, you talk about earning his stripes across this year and last sixties, been an absolute standout in the New South Wales Cup. He came, and he wasn't even on the books at the start of twenty twenty one. He came to us post round one, uh, as as essentially as a walk on starter from was it West Tigers or or whatever their New South Wales Cup branch is, whether it's the Magpies or the Tigers, I can't remember. And you know, all we uh, did from, Magpies, yeah, Magpies. All, all we did from that point was just. Uh, bust his tailbone, uh, not only just be a, a stat, you know, you talk about those guys that sort of can pad stats and make a lot of tackles, but he's been a quality worker, uh, showing that he can play a little bit on the edge as well as through the middle. And, I'm, you know, this is a, a debut that I'm very excited for because he has worked hard to get there. Yeah, it, we he was probably 
that there wasn't there wasn't too much joy to be found in the New South Wales Cup last week. BA said that he was disappointed in thirty four players, so he's he's put the blame right across the entire full time squad, really, with that. But you would say that one one of the players that has been highly consistent in their performances this year has been Rodwell. Uh, I know that I've been super impressed with him in the New South Wales Cup games that I've seen. We spoke about how we praised him last year for his performances across all of last year. He, he got that reward right at the end of the season by being able to make his debut. It, it feels like, and even though that was a genuine debut last year, it's and and I just want to point this out too. From memory, he busted his thumb in the first tackle. I think it was his thumb that he busted. So he got a significant injury in the very first tackle of the game, and then I think he went on to top the tackle count or go right up near the top of the uh, tackle count in that game. So uh, really, really strong debut last year. But I, you know, I I feel like there's something more to the meaning of him getting this shot now this week because he's he's forced a player out when you when you uh, when the coach has to make a decision about omitting a player the first thought is am i bringing in someone who is going to be better or perform better get the job done better for me than the player that i'm leaving out because there's no point in dropping a player exactly. if you can't bring someone up who is going to do a better job. It, it's it's nonsensical. So he's now, whereas last year they, they were resting players when he got his debut, this year he's forced a player out. So it's a bigger call-up, in, in my opinion, than, than a debut call-up. This is almost like the earned debut, if that makes sense. And I'm not saying last year wasn't earned. Yeah, we but talked la- about last year was fairly, fairly unique circumstances too where, uh, you know, due to the way the ladder had played out, the Eels couldn't really affect their finals chances in the final round of the regulation season. So a whole raft of guys, you know, got almost as a as a reward for an excellent New South Wales Cup season that was ended early by COVID. And uh, one final uh, hurrah and a chance to play the eventual premiers. And they... they acquitted themselves fantastically uh, when all said and done for that game. And like you said, Rob Ball was absolutely one of them. And it, it was funny because he had such a good game, then he had a late drop in that thing. I was like, the one blemish. And I was like, that that was, like, it came out of the blue. And then it turned out he didn't playing for a broken hand. Uh, yeah. It's like, like you said, I think there is more meaning in this call-up for Kai. Uh, like you said, this is one that has been uh, built on just about a year and a half of uh, high-quality form. And, you know, he's in the team on his own merits as much as anything else now. And that's... A, uh, Mr. Magnum. Yeah. Mag- yeah, Magnum PI, uh, Rowdy Rodwell. There's a, he's got a, a great... There's a, a few great uh, nicknames we can give him. But, uh, yes, he's uh, going to be hopefully a, a, a big part of the team moving forwards. Um, I mean, I'm not expecting him to be a, a dominant game changer on Saturday by any means. I think no, he'll get, no. out th- get out there... Make his tackles, do his runs, uh, be a you know a net positive contribution, which is what it's all about. Especially when you're coming in, uh, in what I imagine will be a small capacity, given our forward back has a number of big minute players in it. But that just means that he can rip in when he comes onto the yeah, field. And, 
and, and just an observation that I've been making uh, this season is that the lines that he runs and uh, and also the the carries into traffic, he doesn't do mindless charges. Do you know what I mean? Like he when he's taking the ball in behind the ruck and charging in behind the ruck, when when you watch him, he's he's actually looking to for a way to get through. And I'm not talking as I said, I'm not talking about just mindless punching into the uh, defensive line, but you see him actually looking to navigate his way through any any holes that are there or, or, or looking to put a step on just before a defender. So he's he has that – I think there's a bit of nous about how he mm-hmm. plays that, that I've enjoyed watching uh, this last year, this year. And uh, oh, now from memory as well, he, he put that hit – you know, he does the old hit and swivel too. He did a bit of that last year, that, that hit and spin in the tackle. So um, I don't mind seeing a bit of that from time to time as well. So uh, very uh, much anticipating his, let's call it his second debut for the Eels this Saturday. And as we said, we're not going to put, you know, like ridiculously high expectations or or anything like that. What we were looking for is something that I'm going to come back to the quote that BA made after the game about uh, not wanting it enough, or was that effect like you, like the Bulldogs wanted it more last mm-hmm. week? That sort of that sort of quote. Well, I think we had players who um, certainly didn't want it last week, not as much as what the the dogs did. I think if you want it, you stick to game plans and you bring intensity. And we had too many that didn't stick to the game plan and didn't bring the intensity. I think when you get the opportunity to bring up someone that you think is going to do a good job, I think they're also going to reward you with the fact that they will value getting that shot and that they will want they want to be there. They want to get the win. So uh, let's see if it can help to bring that mindset to the team. Indeed. Um, yeah, and that's going to be a nice little subtext to this game against the Roosters. But before we get into the previews, the other bit of news that came out today, mate, and like I said, it just kept rolling. Uh, we, we finished recording our news podcast and suddenly there's a whole flurry of news uh, after we finished uh, the wrap. But uh, Daily Telegraph reporting that the Parramatta Reels have uh, moved to make an addition for their 2023 and beyond squads. Uh, with uh, It's the uh, young... Newcastle uh, forward, who I believe is a prop by trade, but might be, uh, I don't know if he's got a bit of background on him too, but uh, Jira Momosia, or Momosia, I'm po- apologies if I got that wrong, Jira, uh, apparently has agreed to terms with the Eels uh, for a two-year contract starting next year, obviously. Uh, he was a, a pretty, by all accounts, a pretty handy player at 23 years of age, uh, was sort of forced his way into the Newcastle team, but then had a nasty arm injury. I think he broke his arm pretty badly. Uh, up against, the, I want to say the Roosters. Yeah, it looks like it's the Roosters. Um, so he had a forearm fracture, elbow dislocation. So pretty ugly thing there, but it looks like he'll be joining the Blue and Gold next year. Um, could be a handy acquisition, 60s. Well, you know, you've got to believe in Wikipedia, and Wikipedia has him listed as an Eels player in 2020. So some, someone, someone's moved fast after the uh, early <laughs> telegraph. I mean, I think Garth Brennan's been listed as the West Tigers coach today uh, in Wikipedia too. So there's uh, 
yeah, definitely not not you know open to anyone that wants to edit it and whatnot. But I think with the Daily Telegraph back in this one, although we did have the whole Andrew Davies situation, yeah, <laughs> I, I was thinking, hang on, hang on, you get out of yourself there, mate. Uh, but yeah, so that looks like a solid pickup. Uh, that sort of you know we, we talk about those young twenty-year-old forwards that the Eels have, uh, had some great success with. Obviously, Kai Rodwell being one of them uh, coming into the team this week. But you know, Murata Niakore, uh, Zaya Papali'i. We're seeing some uh, promising uh, sort of uh, early days with Ofehika Ogden. So the Eels have a, a track record of success with these sort of prospects. doesn't mean that Jira is going to come in and be a, a superstar for us, but certainly uh, you know, alongside him and Jermaine Hopgood, who's also in that similar age bracket, uh, there's a reason to be excited, I think. Yeah, and, and also he's got a little bit of a different body shape because he's taller than um, a, a number of the... Uh, eels forwards that are currently on the uh, he's certainly not in the Sean Lane uh, category yeah, but he's, not, not he's six foot four he's, he's got some serious height yeah yeah he's six foot four so uh, it, yeah it'll be interesting to see how um, how he measures up in the in the preseason because we generally get a good feel for what a player is going to bring via that their efforts in the preseason. I, I really enjoy the opposed sessions when there's players that are trying to make a statement about what they will bring to the club. And we saw that with Ice when he first joined the club. And I, I was watching the preseason. It was like, wow, what have we got here? And he, he produced a season that uh, was indicative of what he showed during the the preseason, so yeah, looking looking forward to seeing what what he brings and um, uh, adds that uh, with losing players, it's it's good to see that there's uh, some recruitment going on. It does fit into, I suppose, taking a punt on maybe someone that's going to bring some really good value for their signature. And this has been Paramount's bread and butter, hasn't it been, over, over a number of years, finding these sort of players that give you plus value above what, you know, the expectation is. And, you know, obviously you do like to see superstar pickups. Um, that's always, as a fan, it gives you that big dopamine rush. And hopefully in that regard, maybe we can move the needle of Angus Crichton. But like I said, these acquisitions, the Jermaine Hopgoods and the Jeremiah Macias, they're where, been, where the Eels have done their finest work uh, in recruitment across a number of years now. Yes, yes. So, um, well, big news over the last uh, 24 to 48 hours. Did, have we covered it all now? Is there anything I else think, that we haven't covered, mate? I think we are, at least as far as Parramatta goes, there is one more little bit of news we're going to talk about in the previews that's just come out, but that is literally uh, relevant to the NRL preview, so we'll cover that when it happens. But, yeah, I'm sort of half expecting that once we finish recording and, and put this podcast up, some big development's going to happen, and you know, it turns out the Eels have signed someone. Or oh, the other thing we didn't mention: uh, the Kellyville grounds got official state funding, so uh, they've been given the green light for uh, state funding for the Parramatta Eels Elite uh, or High Performance Centre, essentially, and management complex out at Kellyville Park. So you know, they've been slowly chipping away at that, and that was something that uh, we knew they were going to try and scale up across this upcoming off-season sixties, but they've now secured official funding to help facilitate that entire process, which is obviously going to help. Oh, mate, the, the designs for the Kellyville Centre are something else. The 
community centre and the stand to turn the uh, field that they've been playing some New South Wales Cup games on this year into a match venue. Uh, they, they're supposed to start late this year, late this calendar year. That will probably be uh, over uh, 12 to 18-month build, I would think. So that'll, that may well take it out as a playing field for a couple of seasons. And we're, you'd probably be looking at uh, maybe it's not going to be a match venue as such until, oh, geez, you'd have to think maybe 2025 uh, at no, that rate. Optimistically, at some point in 2024, you might have it opened and good to go for, obviously, uh, if it's in the window of the junior reps, the junior reps, but then beyond that, Jersey flag, uh, potentially uh, New South Wales Cup and NRLW, uh, seeing how that gets, end up getting, getting scheduled in that season. But yeah, with these sort of things, it's better to sort of take a long look at it uh, and not get uh, hurt, you know, as, as you know, the eventual construction, uh, not, not like issues, but, you know, how there's always... Uh, stuff that always pops up that isn't foreseen or within the scope of what was originally planned. And so, yeah, I think it's probably better to budget for back end of 2024, maybe 2025. Jeez, mate, for a, a bloke in, in my 60s now, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm still able to get out there and watch the games. You're going to have to because, like, as you've been, you know, uh, I no, will be there, mate. Joke, I'll, I'll, jokingly, I'll be jokingly push. I'm going to have to have a TCT deck out there, aren't we? Have, a, <laughs> have the old platform for us to uh, jibber jabber and cover all the games from. Mate, I've I've already had word to the power. Bro- I'm going to use that term, the power broker. So I've, I've had I've had word to some of the power brokers about setting aside the uh, immediate area for the Cumberland Throws coverage of junior reps and lower grades. So I'm sure there's going to be uh, the uh, TCT media room, or if not, if uh, if I've shifted on from this mortal coil, that it's that it'll, it'll be maybe the 60s memorial media room. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Uh, jeez, <laughs> I mean, it would it'd be fair to cover it, but it's, it is a bit of a morose hell. <laughs> I think, I think yeah, uh, that, that's a kind of the best laid plans of mice and men going very astray from that point there. So, uh, but yeah, so regardless of whether we do have a, a TCT platform or a, a 60s memorial media section, it's going to be very cool to have Kellyville fully realized as the home, not just a training complex, but a high performance facility for. Uh, NRL, NRLW, New South Wales Cup, Jersey Flag, Junior Pathways. Uh, you know, there's going to be so many young men, young women, and full-time players. They're going to get a lot out of this entire uh, facility. So, oh mate, it's look, it's brilliant. I, I, having a bit of a laugh and a joke around then, but having seen the what the plans for the facility are up there, what we can't lose track of is that this is a community asset and it's going to be great for the district. It's going to be fantastic for Rugby League, obviously, uh, for the Parramatta Reels. There's other organisations up there, the junior sport organisations, that will share the facility and they're going to benefit from that as well. Yeah, it's just... Rugby League, Rugby uh, Union. I mean, we were out there for the Jersey flag and there was even uh, blokes from the, the TAFE Rugby League scene. 
out there. Yeah. So, you know, this is going to be something big for the entire of Western Sydney out there. Um, and it's going to be obviously very beneficial to the Parramatta Eels. And it's going to be very, very cool to have a home, a proper home uh, for all the grades below first grade, um, given that they've been uh, sort of having to juggle different locations, whether it's New Era at Cabramatta, whether it's playing out of Kelleville Park more recently, but at a very basic level. And yeah, giving them the home that they deserve and can call their own proudly will be a, a big, big landmark moment for those teams. Yeah, and it's really going to emphasise that the the unity of the club, the one club ethos. Where oh, that, that's something every, that's something you've been preaching for reps. a long time, hasn't it? You know, having yeah. a, a unified and distinct vision from your youngest entry point in the team, whether it's as a, a talent squad player below the Harold Matthews or Tasha Gale, whether you come on board as a Jersey Flag player from another club. You come here and you can see that this is your home. This is your pathway to first grade in the NRL, NRLW. Yeah, and 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 now both male and female pathways. So it, it's going to have the dedicated facilities for both there. So uh, you know, quite a quite a development. That's fantastic news as well about the funding coming through. So we're well over half an hour into this podcast. We haven't talked one iota about the actual games outside of celebrating the uh, return of Kai Rubble to first grade. So let's get into the previews in the preview podcast. I promise, I promise sincerely that you know, not every week we're going to have that much of a preamble. Uh, but when you have such a, a huge series of developments uh, between recordings, sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and cover them. So let's and, and of course, the other thing is too, mate, that by, by virtue of the fact that we are in this three podcast format that we have that scope that we can we can dig into this yeah, and we're not going to be playing a two-hour podcast to try to get yeah. through that so yeah we don't need a, a greek or grecian epic of a podcast anymore we can actually talk about stuff comfortably conversationally uh, without eating into our listeners precious time too much but let's uh, get into the preview 60s. We've got all three grades in action this week. All three teams taking on the Sydney Roosters across various venues. Unfortunately, it's not a triple header out at Combank. That's always disappointing, mate. But uh, the Jersey Fleet will kick off the action at 3 o'clock p.m. out at Kellyville. Uh, they're taking on the ladder-leading Sydney Roosters, who I believe they lost to by seven points when these two teams met earlier in the season. It was one of those really tough losses for the flag amidst a, a really tough run of them in terms of personnel availability. This week, though, after building a solid win against the Canterbury Bulldogs last week, the sort of win that we've been crying for, it wasn't flashy, but it was effective. I think they ended up winning 24-14, 24-16. Uh, this week, they've got a couple of changes. Starting at fullback, you've got Duntori Louie on the wings. It's Arthur Miller-Steven and Matthew Komalafi, who's been in a real rich reign of form ever since coming back down from the New South Wales Cup. New uh, member in the halves, Josh Chappell's back. He's going to partner Ethan Sanders uh, there, which means Jabril Kalachi and Lachlan Blackburn are the centres. Uh, Jabril obviously been at 5'8 for a number of weeks now, but he moves back to probably his more traditional role in recent times at centre. In the front row, Jonte Jr., Bethan Misa and Dave Hollis are the two bookends. Nicholas Lenars comes into the starting team, and I believe he was named on the bench last week, but started uh, with David Tui pulling out. Uh, in the back row, we've got Ryan Jones and Felix Nutili-Schmidt. Peter Tatio is the lock forward. On the bench, Jake Custo. He'll be the relief dummy half, obviously a famous name uh, in terms of the ball gold there. Brock Parker, Taylor Mawala are the last two named forwards on the bench. There is another vacant jersey in the number 17, but Nikhil Raffle is named at number 18. So I'd imagine that he is probably coming into the team. Uh, Saxon Pryke did play last week. He hasn't been named. I'm not sure if he's injured 
unavailable or is the, uh, the mystery 17th man. Uh, the team sheets tend to have like one or two players missing for most teams these days, but that's how they shape up 60s. Wasn't it good to see uh, Saxon make his debut last week? And not only that, we had the opportunity of spending a bit of time talking to Saxon at the Junior Rep Awards on the Tuesday night before his debut. And we were discussing that likelihood because he was, he'd was he been named as 18th man at that stage with absolutely no guarantee that he was going to make mm-hmm. his higher grade debut. And it was... It was interesting just to have that. I mean, I think we saw that that evidence of the um, the anticipation because he he could still theoretically be playing another season of SG ball again next year because he was a, an elevation from the Harold Matts team in twenty twenty one up to SG Ball 2022, and now he's playing Jersey Flag 2022 as well. Uh, and that uh, put him alongside his uh, teammate from uh, 2021 in Ethan Sanders. Mm-hmm. So uh, that w- that was good for him to have that debut. And as and I thought, I thought we were really fortunate that uh, that we were able to spend some time talking to a a fella before he was uh, making that that step up in grade and 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 uh, just to see that that mix of. Um, anticipation, a little bit of excitement, maybe a little bit of nerves, but it was a, a, a great news that he made his his debut. And he's a, a young forward on the rise. Yeah, he's a, I think alongside Jock Brazel, who unfortunately hasn't been able to take to the field this year due to an ACL injury, one of those young forwards to watch in our systems. And there's obviously a couple of guys in the flag that we've already spoken about glowingly across the year anyway, but uh, there's, you know, there's good, good uh, players on the horizon for the Eels. It's just a matter of, them working hard and putting themselves in the best position to succeed. And, uh, you know, talking to Saxon, you get the feeling that he has the right mindset. Yeah, and uh, it is disappointing that this isn't one of the curtain-raiser matches at the stadium because we really want to be there for this game. And I'm, I'm looking at, can I squeeze in the trip to Kellyville before getting down to... Uh, Combank Stadium, and we we certainly have some things that we need to do uh, this week. Uh, it, with our uh, we've got our podcast straight after the game. We'll remind people yeah, of that at Jack's Bar the Paralegs Club in in Jack's Bar and Grill. Uh, we might be popping in there beforehand just to do a little bit of setting up and uh, double check some of our systems and that there. So uh, it's a real tight squeeze trying to get it to uh, both venues. It is. So if we can, obviously, we, we will try and get out there, but it's going to have to be a, an evaluation of our, our time availability on Saturday, which does bring us to that game that you mentioned, which is what was going to give us, uh, cause us to be pressed for time, New South Wales Cup. Oh, yeah. let's, hang on. Let's let's get a quick tip. Oh, in on the Jersey Flag? On the Flag, yep. Uh, I mean, I, give me one sec. Just look at the Roosters' recent run of form. Because obviously, we played them fairly tightly back before we had a bit of a downward run. So we've got the Sydney Roosters. No, they're not in this grade. It's one of the things about the different levels. You've got teams badged differently. So they're the competition leaders. Most recently, a very strong win over the Thunderbolts, who the Eels dropped the game to recently. Uh, sold win over Manly, sold win over the Rabbitohs, sold win over the Panthers. So they're actually, they haven't lost since round seven, where the Dragons comfortably defeated them. And so they've been on a, on a bit of a win streak since then. So, Eels have it up against them. Um, 
I think, you know, conservatively, these are the sort of games that you probably should tip against Parramatta. Uh, but in saying that, uh, the Jersey flag has been known to spit out the uh, adverse result when it comes to the favourites getting uh, tripped up sometimes. So, I mean, I look at that Parramatta team. There's no reason why they can't win 60s. We, we know this, that they've got the talent available in this team. It's about being much like the NRL, but in a, in a different way. Uh, but it, there's like that same but different sort of vibe. Trust your structures. And, you know, obviously for the flag, it's also about holding on to the ball in a more general sense. There's a lot of self-inflicted wounds uh, in the 21s. But if you hold on to the ball and trust the structures, uh, the, the talent in this team will sort of figure it all out. Yeah, I, I'm going to tip a high-scoring game. Uh, I'll... I'll go for an Eels win, but it's not going to surprise me if both teams end up in the 30s in the point, from very, a points yeah. perspective. Very, very possible, knowing what the flag is capable of, just in a broad scope. Um, I'll go... So I'm, going to, I'm going to go a two-point win to the Eels, but the, the, the scores for both teams being in the 30s and total match score over 60. I'll go just under 60, 30 to 22. So I'll go 52 total points scored. In Parramatta's favour there. So which okay. does bring us to the New South Wales Cup, where this is the actual curtain raiser out at Combank Stadium, which is always great to see. Parramatta Eels hosting the Sydney Roosters by way of the North Sydney Bears. This one kicks off at 5, 5 10 p.m., sorry, not 5 o'clock flat. <clears throat> With the Eels looking to get some revenge against the Bears. They are, I think it was about 30 to 16 earlier in the year. Uh, that's when Matthew Comalfi came up and scored a couple of tries in this game. And the Eels are obviously a bit low on resources across their uh, top two teams there. Uh, one big change this week in that he's not on the injury report because he's not top 30 contracted, I think, but Jordan Rankin, who was announced as captain coach this week, uh, I believe he's still got some problems with that hamstring that saw him pull out of the game against the Canterbury Bulldogs. Hayes Perriman, thankfully, is healthy. He's been named at fullback in his replacement, so we're going to have Rankin coaching as a, as a proper coach, not a captain coach this week which means Solomon Inaduki and Sean Russell will be on the flanks, Zach Sini and Tom Opachik in the centres. Unchanged halves, Jack Williams and Jake Arthur in the front row. It's Offahiki Ogden and Wiramu Gregg with Mitch Rain at dummy half. Ellie Elsgaham and Bryce Cartwright are the named edgeback rowers. Kai Rodwell was set the start in this grade. He's going to be uh, not necessarily a scratch, but he's been uh, pulled out of his grade, obviously, with an NRL call-up beckoning, uh, which means I would expect... Maybe, ooh. maybe Brendan Hands comes yeah. up and so you got Luke plays Bain on the bench. Luke Bain, Tavita Talmapenu, Samuel Oizu, and Brendan Hands. Another shout out to Talmapenu, who hasn't been a superstar by any means, but as a flag eligible forward, the fact that he's been entrusted with the a long commission in the uh, New South Wales Cup probably speaks to his work, uh, his diligence and approach to training in the game. So good to see him holding down a spot. Yeah, so we'll see. You could see Luke Bain also coming to the starting team. He's been uh, pretty handy for the Eels too. Uh, but Brennan Hands could start as that small ball lock forward, and then you'd bring another player onto the bench. Obviously, there's a couple of players we've seen in recent weeks that could easily fill that role, depending on who's fit, though. Uh, I know Luke Moretti's not there again, so I imagine he got nicked up as well. But, yeah, so we have one change to the starting team, which means also one change to the bench as those uh, players flow in. Looking at that Bears team, 60s, I believe this is, is it 5v4 or is it 5v3? Uh, it is 5v4, so the, the Bears are ahead of us by one win. So this is a chance to jump them on for and against if we win. Uh, we've got about 20-something points of uh, buffer there, so if we win, we will go ahead of them. But looking at that Bears team, uh, not as strong as it has been in recent uh, weeks for the Roosters. 
given they've had to call upon some of their other players, but still some big names in there. Adam Kieran, obviously, is a very handy back on utility. Paul Momorowski, well, he's a pretty good player just outright in the centres. Uh, Kevin Naguama, uh, you've got Terrell May, who's a brother, I believe, of uh, Taewon, who's a, a good front row prospect there, got his NRL debut recently. Uh, he's been posting big numbers in the New South Wales Cup this year. Uh, and then going beyond that, uh, the Marsh boys are both uh, very competent uh, members of the spine. So, yeah, it's still a very reasonable North City Bears team, and I certainly wouldn't be expecting the Eels to romp in a win by any measure this week. Yeah. I, so you look at that, there's, there's probably most people are more familiar with a number of the Eels players. Certainly Eels supporters are being more familiar with some of the Eels players than the, the Bears players. I think the Parramatta's probably got a slight edge in terms of NRL experience. Uh, if you're talking about pure numbers of uh, NRL games, as soon as you start including someone like Mitch Rain in the team, yeah, Rain, Rain would likely, he sort of he yeah. cancels out Naguama and Momorowski, doesn't he? He's got, yeah, he's yeah. got a, so, a lot of experience through his name. Uh, so, just looking at the at the Parramatta team, I think where I am expecting that the Eels will win this. I think at their best, they have the capacity to. Defeat most teams that are in the even, competition. Even Maybe last a, week, they were in complete control against the Dogs until yeah. you know they, they sort of had a number of injuries and just panicked and once again got away from their structures. And it, it feels like you're saying it ad nauseum at this point, but it shows you how important it is to have faith in your own systems because they will are what will carry you to victory. Outside, well, they were they were in control while Jordan Rankin was out right. on the field. Exactly. If any, and and this is what I'd encourage people to do. If you if you get to the lower grade games, what you can hear more than what you can than you can in the NRL is the communication out on the field. Yep. And when you've got a good talking fullback or, or you've got good communicators in your spine, you, you hear all that talk out there. And uh, Jordan Rankin is a very, very good communicator. It's why you can see that their eels are looking to take him down that uh, coaching career pathway. They've already got him, before that announcement was made, he, it, it's well known he'd already been involved as uh, in, in the coaching and mentoring with the younger players in the Eels uh, junior rep teams. So he'd be, he's been identified as someone who has plenty to offer in that regard. And in, in that high level of communication that he provides out on the field, he was really the coach's voice out there. All captains should be the coach's voice out there on the field anyway, but he's an exceptionally good uh, communicator. They lost their way, really, without his communication from the back. Uh, being close to ground level, the difference that I was able to hear between those who were filling in for um, for him and uh, what he was doing at the start of the game, I think it said a lot about what was happening or what happened as the game unfolded. Um, and the thing so- is, like we've we've seen the team go very well with Hayes Paramount fullback, but that's with the proper preparation and also you know not not being training at centre and whatnot. So I think that well, that, given- yeah, that's a, that's a valid point too, because as you said, they. All, all the preparation had been done with Rankin at fullback, and it's such a key position with with regard to communication. They've had that opportunity to do that all that full preparation this week. Exactly. And, so that, that's and, why we're expecting a vastly improved 
performance from those key players. Yeah. Now, the, the thing that I wanted to talk about briefly, and we'll, we'll be brief because we are in the preview mode and we are at New South Wales Cup level, is the players within that team that could be part of the, the future um, I'm talking the 2023 season or even force their way into first grade at the back end of this season. Uh, we Everyone's familiar with Wiramu Greg. I think he's he's probably improved his work rate. Yep, I think, in, I think that's what I'm saying. Yep. If, if there was a question mark over what um, he needed to do to be a more um, regular first grade player, it's it's that uh, work, especially in defence, where just uh, there, there's times that you need that effort on effort, you need that movement uh, up and back in the defence line. I think he's improved there. Um, Offer Hickey Ogden, he's now at that stage where he's he's just starting to work his way back into match condition and fitness. He started off the year exceptionally well got an injury, then had a suspension that he had to serve before he was able to return to the field. So look for him to really stand out. And and I believe he has the potential to have, and he doesn't play the same game. I want to emphasise this. He doesn't play the same game as Murata Nukore, but I think he can bring a little bit of that fear factor in the way that he carries the ball and charges into the opposition that we might need next year or even this year if Murata is out. Um, we've we've we praised Eliel Zakim last year and he's he's shown us um, glimpses of that this year. He's had a, I think he's had the odd game that he's missed through injury, but he's he's someone that um, I think people should keep an eye on. He's He's probably not in that in the class of the well, certainly at this stage of his career, as some of the back rowers that we're we've been talking to, like an Angus. Cro- I mean, that's Captain Obvious, isn't it? That he's not in the same class as Captain as um, Angus Crichton. But if you're talking about being able to bring through a, a player, he might offer some. Uh, potential for next year, mm-hmm. and we've already discussed Kai Rodwell. I'm not sure what Bryce Cartwright's situation is for next year, but um, the one thing that I've noticed in the uh, New South Wales Cup with Bryce Cartwright is he has moments where he looks like he shouldn't be playing in that grade, where he's a, a where he's a class above the other people that are out there, and I think it's still um, he has the the odd moments that people don't like where he might push something to happen that that he shouldn't push but the previous coach Ryan Carr I I overheard him talking to Cardi out in the field during training and he gives him a bit of free reign to be uh, to be a footballer if that makes sense to chance his hand here and there to bring a bit of variety out there so I don't think he's done anything that the reserve grade coach had been um, disappointed in so that's just my outsider impression of what I've seen. Mm-hmm. So, mate, that's uh, we've we're now. How many minutes are are we into our preview? Uh, Fifty-five minutes, and we're just getting to the NRL now. So let's uh, power power through. Oh, let's give a a call on the New South Wales Cup before we power through the NRL. So you're tipping a Parramatta Eels win in the New South Wales Cup. I don't think that's outrageous by any means. Uh, Roosters are a good team, or the Bears uh, by way the Roosters by way the Bears that is. Still a good team. 
but probably uh, lacking some of the full strength they've had earlier this year. How do you see this one playing out, mate? Mate, I, I think that it'll be um, the winning margin's going to be somewhere between 8 to 16 points uh, for the Eels. So I'm going to go um, a 32 to 20 victory to the Eels. 32 to 20. I will go 22-12. Uh, okay, so you think the defence is going to be a bit yeah, stronger? I think it'll be a little bit tighter, hopefully. Uh, okay. Brings us to the main event out at Combank Stadium. This one is kicking off at 7.35pm. It is 6v9 Parramatta Eels occupying the sixth slot in the ladder. Obviously, that means the Roosters are in, in ninth. <clears throat> For the Roosters, James Tedesco will captain the team from fullback Daniel Tupo. And Joseph Sawali, a couple of very talented wingers there. One is origin or current origin rep. One is a future origin rep on the flanks. Billy Smith and Joseph Manu round out what I believe is a full-strength spine. So uh, naturally, the Roosters get back to full strength in their back line just for us. In the halves, Sam Walker and Luke Keary have been named. But what I was hinting at earlier in this podcast is there's a bit of mail going around right now that Keary might be out, that he hasn't pulled up 100% uh, from that concussion stand against the... Who did they play last week? The storm, the storm, and that uh, was Kafusi. Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Old uh, Felice Kafusi. Definitely know history of forearm shivers on players. You know, Ryan Madison, the um, Felice forearm, the Felice forearm. Yeah, and I think the, I, I do think the Ryan Madison one was far more blatant uh, by when you look at the tape. But you know, it's a guy for track record of some foul play. Uh, but uh, that means that there is a potential change in the halves there. So we'll discuss that once we get the full team out uh, on the. Front row, sort of uh, fr- front. There you go. That's what I was looking for. Lindsay Collins and CSI Taki Aho are the bookends. No, Jared Weir Hargraves. Is he still suspended or injured? I'm not sure what, what's going on with um, JWH, but Sam Verrills is the dummy half. In the back row, it's Angus Crichton, Satili Tupanua, and Nat Butcher. And then on the bench, Connor Watson, Drew Hutchinson, Egan Butcher, Fletcher Baker. Extended roster is Lock and Lamb, Daniel Saluka Fafita. Paul Momorowski, Terrell May, and Adam Kieran. So looking at that team, 60s, the, the natural sort of change seems to be bring in Drew Hutchinson into the halves, and then you can bring in another forward or utility onto the bench, depending on how uh, Coach Trent Robinson wants to play it against the blue and gold. Um, Saluka Fafita's played plenty of first grade for him off the bench. In, uh, the you'd, think a, you'd think a Lachlan Lamb would be the... But Lamb, Lamb, if you're looking for a like-for-like, like, Lamb's probably the most... Uh, or even Adam Kieran, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah the, I, I was looking at that and I was going, okay, because Lachlan Lamb's named as the number 18, but uh, I think uh, there's fair point as well with Adam Kieran that there's a number of positions that he could fill, but uh, I, I think you get that... Um, as you say, that like for like, and and Drew Hutchison was coming on and and uh, filling in at dummy half. He's quite a tall, a uh, large dummy half as as such, and you probably you get that option with uh, Lachlan Lamb that uh, if if he was on the bench that he could not only cover the halves but also cover the dummy half role quite well. So that would be my guess if I was if I was a Roosters selector. So not not a full strength Roosters team. No Jared Weir Hargraves, no Victor Radley. But that back line is as fearsome as it's going to get all year. Um, Luke Kiry being out potentially is obviously a loss for him. But that means Sam Walker will have a chance to be the primary uh, in those playmaking positions, and that might be of benefit to the Roosters. 
uh, given his uh, status as a young superstar in the game. But for the Eels 60s, we mentioned it, that it was an unchanged team sheet coming out of Team West Tuesday. There was the one recent change. Let's talk it through. Uh, fullback and captaining the team is Quinton Gufferson, Mike Acevo, Bailey Simonson are the wingers. Right centre, Will Penasini. Left centre, Wonga Blake. Dylan Brown, Mitch Moses in the halves. Front row, Reagan Campbell-Gillard, Junior Barlow and Reed Marnie. Back row, Sean Lane, Murata Niakore, Isaiah Papali'i. On the bench, Makahesi Makatoa, Ryan Madison, Oregon Kafusi. Named originally Nathan Brown, but he has been scratched, dropped to Reggie's, uh, where he will play. Oh, so that's sorry, that, that was the thing we didn't talk about. If Kai Robball's coming up, Nathan Brown's going down, he'll play lock forward uh, in the Reggie's team. So that yeah. that solves that problem there. No need to bring Brendan Hands into the starting team. Uh, bit of a brain fade for me there. So Kai Robball. No, brain fade. Brain fade really from the both of us, not even thinking about just didn't, that. Just didn't even put the two and two together there. So. Uh, Kai Robwell named in the extended roster in the 21 jersey. He'll come into or onto the bench uh, with the 21 on his back still. Uh, so he partners Makatoa, Madison, Kafusi uh, on the interchange. The other extended roster players include Tom Opachuk, Jake Arthur, Bryce Cartwright, and Sean Russell. You mentioned it. Brad at his uh, media call this week after you know sort of having a stinging review of his team's efforts and uh, their sort of frustrating tendency to go away from the game plan. Uh, also mentioned that there could be more changes this week. Looking at that extended roster, do you think it's going to come externally or do you think it's going to be a shuffle of the forward pack or, or thereabouts instead? Well, well, okay, let's look at this logically because it's unlikely that there's going to be too much in the way of change in the back line. That's the back line that he, that he would have wanted at uh, the start of the year or close to it. Bailey Simonson wasn't bought to play reserve grade. Uh, Mike Acevo's been given the opportunity to reclaim his top-grade spot. Um, it's It would have been interesting if Hayes Dunster had been fit and well as to what might have transpired there because Hayes had started to establish himself as the top winger within the club. Uh, but anyway, that's, uh, that's probably pointless talking about that at the moment. So really you look at any tweaking would probably come around the forwards. And you can almost go by process of elimination. And by the way, I'm quite comfortable in talking about this because I haven't seen any Eels training this week. And normally if I'd seen Eels training, anything that I suggested could be taken from as being what I'd seen. So I'm coming into this with absolutely no knowledge. It's just my thoughts there. That if BA suggested change, uh, some late tweaking, that it would come in the forwards. I don't see it happening with the props. There's um, no um, alternative to um, uh, Reed Marnie that's been listed in the extended bench, so you'd assume that doesn't change. You'd be, you know, probably Sean Lane was one of the, the better performers last week in an ordinary team, so he probably stays there. You're, you're probably not going to... Um, remove ice from the starting team. Maybe, and we talked about it before, we're missing some impact off the bench. Murata moved to the... I'd consider uh, moving Murata to the bench. Um, do you then... I suppose then what we have to look at is uh, if he's there, do you bring someone in to play on the bench like Maddo in his place? Or do you look... look prefer to keep Maddo with that impact because he'd been he'd been the one who 
consistently brought impact off the bench. You got workers on the bench like Macca and like Oregon, but then you had that uh, player with the creativity and, and the edge about them in yeah, Ryan there's, there's Madison. There's definitely a line of thought where where you you bench Murata not as a punishment, uh, but then you you push Ice back out to the right where he reunites with Mitch Moses where he was having a great yeah. combination, and then. Obviously, you could just easily put Madison into starting lock forward and then, you know, Robert Chavava's brother, you've got a strong starting pack. But you could just as easily put one of Oggy or, or Makatoa, you know, and neither of them are going to be powerhouses in that lock forward role. But you just let them absorb the early exchanges, get through their runs and tackles, let Junior and Reg really, you know, dictate the pace in the forward pack through the middle anyway. And then you've got the one-two punch of Madison and Niakore off the bench. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at the at the list of reserves, and I don't think that there's going to be. We already know that Rod will's coming in off the off the listed reserves. I don't see that there's anyone that they're going to squeeze up. So, um, I my thought would be because he's done this before. I'd be starting Oregon at lock. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd have. I would move Murata to the bench for and, impact. And again, I wouldn't. You'd be, you'd be I wouldn't starting. move. I'd be tempted to move Matto in, but geez, I like the way he's played off the bench this and year. And that's the thing is that he's the primary lock forward from the bench, so he's yeah. not starting, but he is the the primary lock forward. So yeah, I, I know. So you give players... you give some you give some minutes to Oregon at the start of the match. You move Ice to that um, to his edge role that he had before. Um, you have the uh, Matto and uh, Murata making a bit of impact off the bench. And, um, yeah, it's uh, – and it's probably a from – the, from the sake of experience, you probably don't consider Rodwell as starting. So he will probably play those um, limited minutes that BA often does with the, the fourth interchange player. Um, yeah, although, 10, I just, 10, although you know what, I think he'd probably like to see what what Rodwell can produce. I think he might get a few more minutes than the fourth interchange player's been getting recently. Just a thought. Just a thought. Well, the absolute wild card would be to start Rodwell at lock forward. Ah, uh, yeah, that would be. <laughs> but um, would be. as much as I, I rate uh, Magnum Pi, and I think he's going to be a, a real positive addition to the team, I don't think he's going to walk into the starting lock role this week. But uh, that that certainly yeah. would make a, a spicy uh, late team mail post by the club. Yeah. So let's let's get into the into the tips here. Um, I mean, we'd like to see first of all. Let's talk about what we want to see. We want to see this, the game plan that BA has talked about that they stray from, but- which is the forwards winning that middle, tucking the ball under the arm, running hard. Getting starting to bend the defence line before they start to look at shifting the ball, and we use all the catchphrases about about uh, winning the middle, about earning the shifts, all that sort of stuff. But it's true. He he wanted he wanted that, and again another cliche: the platform laid by the forwards. I mean, they're you, cliches for basically. <laughs> you, you know, like you, you've got to you've got to get over the opponents there and. There's some strength in the in the Roosters' backline. Uh, it's it's doubtful you're going to go around them. We know they've got the height out there, so you're not going to go over the top 
of them in terms of winning any any battles in the air. Um, I think we just got to win that battle through the middle, and um, and if and I'd be wanting our leaders out there if we stray from this, go to town on the heads. players exactly. that are straying. Get them into line. Yep. Yeah, you got to pull them into line. I, I want to see Gutho first of all enforcing the reinforcing the coach's message, and if. If uh, the players out there aren't following what they're supposed to be doing, that he says, look, if you if you're going to go shifting this ball, and I'm talking about you know like if it goes to the forwards and they go through shifts, or, or they're going through too many offloads or whatever, you just saying if you either you tuck the ball under your arm and run hard, or or you know I'll ask the coach to get you off. So you know there's there's got to be. Um, the, a return to that simple gameplay, bring some intensity with the forwards, and then we're in with a chance. I, I had a look at the record; it's not a great record against the Roosters. I, th- I think we've we've barely won. Uh, we've won about four games against them since two thousand and nine, and I think it might be something like one of the last seven that we've won. One of the last seven. There's so we there's can... been some bad losses in that run too. They've, uh, oh, I remember back when Latrell was still with the Tricolors, there was some big beatings. <laughs> so, well, in the uh, when the the preview is published, the uh, goals preview, and I, I put the punting tip in there. I'm quite proud of the fact that I said to people, "Look on last week, don't put a bet on in the Parramatta Dogs game." So I didn't give a my punting tip was don't bet. Yeah, only because, heartache was waiting, and it turned out that was so true. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting a loss, but I wasn't expecting. I, I just win. saw dollar fifteen for the eels, and a, a, and and to get a dollar eighty or a dollar eighty five, you had to give away fifteen and a half points start. Well, I mean, I could have tipped the bulldogs, and, and probably would have if I, I I can't cause my heart to tip against. Uh, my heart won't let me tip against Parramatta. So I've I've simply said this week, take your total match points. I think it'll be over forty-seven and a half total match points because five of the last seven games have gone over forty-seven points total match points. Like when you talked about, there's been some bad losses. Oh yeah, there's been some bad losses. So um, how am I going to look at? Again, I can't. I'm not going to tip against Parramatta. I'm not too confident based on last week. So, but, you know, we might be able to get the the job done at home. I'm thinking that it's going to be something like a 28-24 victory to the Eels. Uh, I'll tip um, Bailey Simonson to be first try scorer. And I will tip Mitch Moses to be best on field. All righty. Um, so what, what did you say it was? It was 47 points was the 47? Yeah. Over, over 47 and a half. 47 and a half. Match points is my, is my, uh, punting suggestion this week. Jeez. Okay. How can I make this? Yeah. Yeah. But five of the last seven games are gone over 47 total match points. Yeah. A fair, a fair bit of recent form on that. Um, how about Parramatta Eels win 28 to 25? 
So you've gone very close to my. Yeah, so the Roosters, I've gone 28-24. The Roosters kick the what they think will be the go-ahead field goal uh, for the game, but then the Eels hit back with a try, and then you don't need to take the conversion. Mate, you are basically predicting us to go through absolute agony with that scenario. Yeah, I mean, I mean, pa- you're you're, you're, you're tipping, we're going to be there in the stands, heart, like heart, head and hands, head and heartbroken. Yeah, and then we're going to hit back with a, a late try. My first try scorer. I'll, I'll tell you what. Even before you go to that. I might have to put Clint on standby for me for the club because <laughs> but I, I was talking before about shifting off this mortal coil and not seeing the uh, the the final completion of the of the Eels uh, center at Kellyville, mate. I, I I might be I might be struggling to get to the club if I'm sitting through a, a finality <laughs> like that. I might have to have Clint on standby to do our post match hosting. Uh. So we'll open up the scoring with Sean Lane this week and then 24 or a couple of minutes left, Sam Walker slots the field goal. Isaiah Papali will score the last try to, to put us over. And then best best on field for the Parramatta Eels. Mitch Moses, like you did, is a very good pick. But um, I don't know. I think we need Junior to stand up. I think he's been a little bit quiet in recent weeks. Um, you know, including his state of origin game where he was, you know, Freddie had him doing far too much ball playing, let him get back to being direct, that hard nosed, hard edged, you know, sledgehammer through the middle that can offer you some incredible ball playing as a bonus. So I want to see June's back to his best. And yeah, I mean, just the Roosters match up so well against us. Um, this time they don't have the luxury of being able to bully Hayes Perham down that, uh, their right edge, our left edge. So Joseph Suwali is going to be going up against Mike Sivo. Mike obviously not in full flight just yet, but uh, what we did see from against Canterbury was uh, he was pretty comfortable under the high ball, uh, which is you know fortuitous timing. I'm not saying he's going to win every contest against Joseph Suwali, but he would probably be in, in a better stead to do so than Hayes did, who got really they really targeted him uh, when we played last time. So we're probably if there's a a mid-air collision as there as. You, you've got Suwali trying to get up higher than Sivo, uh, whereas he was knocking uh, Perham yeah, down was, to the ground. Exactly just taking Speckies off his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be harder to uh, maybe if, uh, if if we can get Sivo leaping into him as well that the the physical collision works That's in right. our favour. Yes, sir. And yeah, yeah, you mentioned it earlier. We, we talked about it as always. Parramatta home game means the tip sheets live from Jack's Bar and Grill for the post game. I'm not sure who we're talking to this week, sixties, or if they're just going to let me and you uh, ramble on for uh, the entirety of the show without any other guest. But uh, we usually have a, a former legend or uh, a recent player in some capacity uh, chat with us. Most recently, it was Tim Manor, but we've had uh, Brett Kenny, we've had uh, Neville Glover uh, for the post game show just recently. They've all been fantastic chats, haven't they, mate? Yes, I'll be confirming our guest later today and we'll make sure that it's up there on socials. But I can guarantee we will have a, a guest, that uh, a, a former Eels player, who will help us break down the match in Jack's Bar and Grill. Join us there. We had a fantastic time last time that uh, we were there for the Eels' victory over Manly. Massive crowd up there in the bar and uh, a lot of fun that was had. So uh, join us there post-match. Saturday evening after the full time, we, we try to get going about 
anywhere from 35 to 45 minutes after full time. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you there. Come up, say good day, and uh, enjoy a drink, something to eat, and uh, a bit of eels chat and banter about the game. As always, thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen on the tip sheet. Hope you enjoyed your preview of a significant uh, side serving of news. It uh, doesn't always happen, but when you do have massive developments like we did uh, between the uh, news podcast and the preview podcast, you can't help but have to talk about them. We did ramble on for well over an hour now, so uh, we hope you enjoyed it. But we'll catch you if you're out at the game at Jack's Bar and Grill. Otherwise, enjoy the Parramatta's take on the Roosters. We'll see you in the Instant Reaction podcast. Oh, yeah, and just one more thing. Go, you eels.